All right, you guys hear it all the time. The typical, if you like this episode, please rate us, subscribe to us, leave a comment on iTunes or Spotify or wherever. Well, it really does make a difference for this podcast. We're small, we're trying to get bigger, and all of this feeds the algorithm so that iTunes or Spotify or Pandora, wherever you find us at, will rate us higher and higher with the more likes and comments that you guys leave. And always, if you guys find value in these episodes, please leave us a comment on the episode or on the show uh, page. And the best way to help us is to share it off. So again, thank you. And we will talk to you soon. All right. We're back in this podcast is a week past due. So I apologize for that. Um, Had some crazy stuff going on this past week. So this will be out the week of Sunday, the 31st. Um, Trying to think back to what day Wednesday is. Anyways, uh, this will be out before Halloween. So if you're listening to this uh, during or after Halloween, I hope you had a great Halloween. And I just want to give you a quick update before we get into the main subject of today's podcast on Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller. He pled guilty to six violations of the Uniform Code of Military Justice, which will actually help us lead into today's topic. So he pled uh, guilty to Article 88, contempt towards officials, Article 89, disrespect towards senior commissioned officers, Article 90, willfully disobeying a superior commissioned officer. Article 92, dereliction in performance of duties. Article 92, failure to obey a order or regulation. And Article 133, conduct unbecoming an officer and a gentleman. So I think what this article meant to say was maybe Article 91, dereliction of duty. Uh, It's a little... It's not saying and trying to find people who actually put in the UC, U.S. Yeah, the UCMJ um, articles in their stories on him. Uh, they're not doing it. They're just saying, oh, he was convicted of this, this and this. But they're not stating the actual articles. So it also looks like he's pending formal sentencing. But there was something in here that looks like uh, part of a plea deal. He'll pay five thousand dollars and receive a letter of reprimand of reprimand which is good for him um he stood by his convictions he as he stated before he probably would take the same tact with any uh marine corps officer who uh, was under his charge and under his command so uh, he stood by his principles it does suck that he is going that he had to plead guilty uh compared to what the alternative costs were if the Marine Corps wanted to play this out. Uh, A a guilty plea and loss of $5,000 and a letter of reprimand in your record as you are resigning your commission probably is the best bet uh, for life after all of this. So speaking of which, in tying in Article 92, failure to obey a lawful order, the United States Navy, and I'm only picking on the Navy for this specifically because I have the links and I have the NAV admin uh, that spells it out. This may also include the Marine Corps, Department of Navy, Marine Corps falls under it. So not sure. I'm pretty certain that this is actually going to be part of a sec def memo or something more along these lines and we'll see it in the army the air force god i hate saying this the space force uh the coast guard looks like they fall under this letter or under this um this order too so the article is on navy.mil navy sets timeline and discharge details for those refusing the covid vaccine 14 october 2021 so a little bit of background as you guys know i was a united states navy corpsman i retired as a chief petty officer and i personally this is my personal belief do not believe in vaccine mandates in the civilian world i think we're all big kids we can make our own choices do as you will go get the vaccine if you choose to don't go get the vaccine if you don't want to i don't care um 
I try to live my life with things that I actually give a crap about. Which is why it's been so hard to actually sit down and do this podcast. Because I do really care about the future of the Navy and the future of the military. And these things are part of who I am. But like I said, I was a Navy corpsman. I have been, I don't know if you'd say directly or indirectly uh, involved with a sailor who was administratively separated because they did not get their flu shot. And the Navy seems to have had a process prior to COVID for separating those sailors, soldier, uh, those sailors and Marines who did not comply with medical readiness um, requirements as per the uh, manual, uh, what the hell is it called? Yeah, the manual of medicine, the man med. Um, and Buper, or BUMED orders, Bureau of Medicine's orders on how to maintain readiness. We, to give you an idea of how detailed and how wide and how in-depth these things go, the Navy classifies dental in three different classifications. Class one is you have perfect little fangs. Class two, you may need some minor non-emergent work. Class three, you are uh, dentally unfit in class four, you skipped your exam. In the Navy and in the Marine Corps, because we take care of the Marines, you can actually be separated uh, through the admin separation process for being a class three dental issue for too long. Um, on the reserve side, if you skip your annual dental exam, Typically, because it's a reserve site, it may take one or two times. But if you're informed that you have to go get these exams, they will eventually just forward your case to an admin board and separate you. That's it. Same with any vaccine requirements. So I don't have the list in front of me. I'm going off memory. I never worked at boot camp, so I can't say that this is exactly what you get at boot camp. But the minute you walk into any boot camp, Army, Navy, Air Force, Space, God damn it, I hate that word, Space Force, Coast Guard. When you walk into your service academy, Army, Navy, Air Force, um, Marine Corps boot camp, Coast Guard Academy, you go through a series of immunizations to include, but not limited to, Hep A, um, measles, mumps, rubella, tetanus, diphtheria, uh, probably, depending on the time of the year, a flu shot, and several others that I can't think of. You don't have a choice. You are going through a conveyor belt of human beings walking down a hall. I remember when I came in, there were two corpsmen on each side of us in a single file line and they were still using the air guns and they would hit you arm, 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 arm. I think there was four or five times when they did that. So now I don't think they, I don't know. And I, I'm not saying that this is fact, but I don't think they still use the air guns. So they will hit you with needles. Boom, boom, left, right, left, right. As you go down, you cannot opt out of those unless there's something in your medical record already established saying that you can't have those. Of course, they will always ask you the basic mil uh, military medical questions such as, do you now or have you ever had an adverse reaction to a vaccine? Do you have an egg allergy? These are basic questions because that's the way a lot of these um, vaccines are done. That If you've had a previous allergic reaction, you're we're going to look into it before we give you the shot. Uh, certain things, I mean, I'm trying to remember which ones were cultured through uh, chicken eggs. And so if you had a chicken allergy or an egg allergy, you obviously weren't going to get that. Those exemptions do not necessarily require further actions in the notation that you have these allergies and that you are exempt from these. For someone at the at what they call the accession level, meaning you just showed up to boot camp refusing this, you are going to be going home. So do I personally have an issue with the military mandating um, with consequences vaccines for medical readiness for service uh, for service members? Absolutely not. 
Um, again, as a corpsman and as a senior enlisted corpsman while I was in, medical readiness became the chief petty officers, the senior chiefs, and the master chief's job. The command master chief for a Navy command, one and for the uh, commanding officer, one of their requirements is medical readiness. We would have big annual inspections every year to ensure that all the I's are dotted and all the T's are crossed. Why? Because we cannot go as a fighting force downrange with a 10% uh, people who are going to get yellow fever because we're going to go fight in a battle that's happening in a yellow fever endemic area. So we then require the yellow fever shot, which is, if I remember right, it's a 10-year, it's uh, one shot and a 10-year boost, or every 10 years you get a booster. Um, not common for people who have gone through uh, civilian life to ever even know what a yellow fever shot was. But to put that into context, the guys who built the Panama Canal, I think, think the number one cause of death of the thousands of people who died during the Pan the construction of the Panama Canal, whether it be local Panamanians or Americans, was yellow fever. It's a mosquito-borne illness. So there is a reason to make sure that our force is vaccinated in that area. Um, also, things that are required, which could cause you trouble, but aren't vaccines, are things like um, malaria prophylactic. And we'll get into my thought on what we're seeing with the current vaccines for the current virus and things like ma malaria prophylactics. They do not stop you getting malaria. It, they limit the symptoms. Sometimes it'll prevent onset other times you will have far less symptoms, and these are required for military members who are going into a malaria endemic area. Once again, our purpose for going to these areas, whether it's for training or for actual combat, is to be effective and do our job. So as a corpsman, my job is to ensure the health, safety, and frontline medicine of Marines that were, I would be tasked with deploying with. The Marines' job for them is to engage the enemy and destroy it or engage the training enemy and destroy it. Having 10 to 20 or 30% of your force fall out because they got malaria is not an effective way to uh, go through combat. So why am I talking about all of this before we're getting into the actual thing? It's very simple. The I want to establish, and hopefully I can get Kurt Parsley back on to talk about this with him. I want to establish, so everyone knows, prior to COVID, the United States military, not just the Navy, not just the Marine Corps, because they fall under us when it comes to medicine, but the entire military force seems to have had an established route to take to get people who refused required medical issues taken care of out of the military with and that's it we go ahead and we separate you and it's done have a good life bye typically it's a i think it is a it could be an i'm trying to remember the different discharges i don't think it's a full uh honorable but it's something um honorable with administrative reasons or something. I don't remember, and I apologize. I should have looked this up, what the different uh, discharge types are. But that does get into what we're going to be talking about here in a second. So according to this article, the name mandates begin at the end of August after the release of, a, of the Secretary of Defense memo instructing military departments to enact new vaccine requirements for DOD uniformed personnel who are not medically or administratively exempt. So, again, we have a set mechanism to remove people from military service who refuse, require, who refuse to meet the required medical readiness already. But because we're talking about the pandemic virus, 
we have this is where it already starts to get weird for me we have to build a new system but not just build a new system that separates people but we build a new system that has built in you're a fucking dick aspects to it so let's get into this a little bit now um with the release of all nav and any of these things I say, like all nav or nav admin, you can Google the actual numbers and you can find them. They are all public per DOD policy. With the release of all nav 062 slash 21 and nav admin 190 slash 21, all service members were given 90 days to comply. So now we're, what are we? We're. Coming up on the first, what appears to be the first deadline next month. Now, Madman 22521, which is the one that will be referencing the most. Uh, release October 13 sets a deadline for all active duty sailors to be vaccinated by November 28th and those in the selected reserve until December 28th. So that message, Nav Admin 22521 outlines the consequences for failing to comply the idea that the navy or any other branch again i only know the navy right now releases a release that outlines the or that starts with failing to comply and consequences it, it feels dirty and make no say what you will these are lawful orders that you are being given and there's an expectation outside of some sort of medical again uh, had previous issues with previous vaccines um, you have contraindications to the vaccine say you say it's December uh, so the deadline for of November 14th and December 14th appears to be the deadline for the first shot, then you can receive the second shot two weeks later, which would put you at the deadline of November 28th and December 28th. Um, but it, let's say you had COVID and you had planned on getting the shot on November 10th. I'm not 100% certain with the Pfizer, but I believe they want a two-week window where you are clear of the virus before you get the um, the vaccine. So if you weren't vaccinated by November 14th because you were ill with COVID, that may be a issue where you can get a waiver and after that date on an individual basis, you will be able to continue military service and start your vaccines. Um, so they come into this thing about sailors must be executed to execute their mission at all time. We've already talked about that. This is one of those flags in my head that gets a little weird. Why we're coming down so hard with this hammer when, uh, who is it? Uh, Vice Chief of Naval Operations. So Admiral Lesher says to date over 98% of active duty U.S. Navy service members have met our readiness responsibilities by completing or initiating the COVID-19 vaccine series, ensuring the continued readiness of our worldwide deployable Navy. So all of this that we're talking about right now seems to be coming down to 2% of the force. I don't know off the top of my head what the actual active duty slash reserve force strength is at this moment in time. Let's assume it's around 400,000. So the, this nav admin, uh, 225-21, and this military release, uh, press release, whatever you want to call it, is really targeting about 8,000 sailors. So we'll get into the actual nav admin and some of the crazy policies that they're outlining. And again, you have to assume if the Navy is doing this, uh, the Marine Corps falls under this in some respects and that the other branches, uh, army space force, uh, air force are all doing something very similar with their programs. So, uh, it establishes a, an entire new, what's the word I'm looking for? An entire new authority of leadership called the COVID Consolidation Disposition Authority. 
because this is such a big deal. And um, that becomes the chief of naval personnel. So the guy who is in charge of all personnel matters for the Navy now is also tasked with this. On the active duty side and on the reserve side, it's CNFR. Uh, the chief of naval reserve forces are doing this. Then it gets really weird because the vice chief of naval operations, so Admiral Lesser, retains authority for non-judicial punishment and court martials. So they do plan on throwing some bricks around. Uh, administrative actions may begin as a Navy member meets the definition of refusing a vaccine, which we'll get into effective immediately upon the release of this message is commands. This is where, again, we're getting a little dark, but it's also highlighting some stuff that was uh, already there. But the way they phrase it is where it gets a little dark. Effective immediately upon the release of this message, Commands shall not allow sailors refusing the vaccine to promote or advance, re-enlist, execute orders with the exemption of separation orders until the CCDA has completed the, dis the disposition of their case. Transfer orders may be canceled by Navy personnel command. So, what the, so the first big thing that jumps out to me right now, one of the reasons why I've been having a hard time sitting down doing podcasts is because every year since I picked up Chief Petty Officer. I participate in what we call the season. First class Petty Officers receive the notification that they are going to be advanced to the rank of Chief Petty Officers. Chief Petty Officers, retired Chief Petty Officers come out and help them train. Typically, this is done by September 15th. Because of COVID last year, uh, this process happened through the winter and it ended at the end of January. This year, this process ends on um, the 19th of November. So these guys are going through their advancement process. So what's going to happen on the 19th of November, all of the uh, first class petty officers, these uh, pay grade of E6 will be in the Navy's case, what is called frocked. So frocked is a thing that happens with officers in the Marine Corps in the Navy. And then for our, some of our enlisted positions. Frock means that you retain the right to wear the rank of what you will be advanced to and you get all the privileges of that except for pay and um, and that that doesn't happen until your effective date of rank. So let's say some of these guys who are going through this process because it was supposed to be done by September 15th on the 16th they would have been promoted and advanced to the rank of chief petty officer. So their ID card would say CPO slash E7. Others who did not fall in what they call that first increment, their ID cards will now say E7, or not E7, they will say CPO slash E6. So they are able to wear the uniform of the chief petty officer, uh, the rank insignia, but they are not being paid until their effective pay date. So some of these people, they, these pay dates are usually once every month on the 16th until August 15th. So if you fall at the bottom of the list, you will be wearing the uniform of a chief petty officer till August 16th, and then you will be paid and you will be officially uh, for pay purposes and for disciplinary purposes in E7. It gets a little confusing with the Navy. But so there's a whole bunch of people who could fall into this position. And this happens with E4 to E9 have this ability. So you have a lot of sailors who are waiting to be paid. So you'll go from, say, six months as an E5 your pay date is for the military is um, the 16th of December and you miss your deadline to have these vaccines. You now are reverted back to a second class petty officer, an E5, because you were never officially promoted. And that is a requirement by the command, not an option. Um, so let's get into this policy. 
So this is directly from um, NavAdmin 22, or sorry, 225 slash 21. So as we already went with this press release, the, the policy uh, dictates that uh, maximum readiness, um, that these are lawful orders, 98% have already done it. So we come into definitions. So the first one, and I found this one really interesting, is Navy service members, active duty service members, and service members in the selective reserve only. So that's Navy service members. But then we have a but. Service members in the individual ready reserve and the U.S. Naval Academy and Naval Reserve Officer Training Corps midshipmen remain subject to vac the vaccine mandates in reference A and B but will be adjudicated per their governing instructions rather than this nav admin. So I don't know, I couldn't really figure out what uh, reference A and B was in terms of this. So where that gets a little weird, the individual ready reserves, um, as the best way that I can explain it from what I've been told about it in the past, is you come into the Navy you have a contract and now this is again force wide when i say force wide i mean all branches you come in and you sign up for four years um active duty but your contract is actually for eight years so there's i believe there's three possible options first one four years active duty four years uh irr the second one is four years active duty, two years in what we call the selective reserves in the Navy, which is you do your one weekend a month, two weeks a year, you still wear a uniform, and then two years in the IRR. And then lastly, six years active duty, two years IRR. Nobody talks about the IRR. The IRR literally means you're out of the military. You have, you don't train um, theoretically, I think you're supposed to do like a phone muster or go to a website and say, Hey, I'm still alive once a year. Um, other than that, you have no affiliation with the military at all. Now in the beginning of the, I forgot what, Ooh, I forgot whether it was, uh, Afghanistan or Iraq. They did pull, um, some people back from the IRR. I remember it being people like Intel guys and some special operations guys were pulled back from the IRR. So this happens. But the fact that they have a separate mandate that governs IRR, people who probably have no idea, that there's real no outbreak with what the IRR is. It's like, hey, you're done with your four years, Here's your DD-214, which is the piece of paper that says that you served the military. Sir, go fuck yourself. I have my DD-214. You can't do anything to me anymore. I'm out. Now there is a vaccine mandate put out by DOD that is separate from the one we're talking about. And I will try to find it. That governs these guys who probably have no idea whether they're still IRR or not. So it, it's just weird that they are covering all this. So active duty Navy service members uh, are service members that include basically guys who wear the uniform um, every day, uh, including there are reservists who are on what's called full-time support or mobilized reservists, which is kind of funny that they didn't add that in there. So what is refusing a vaccine? A Navy service member refusing a vaccine is one who is one who won received a lawful order to be fully vaccinated against COVID-19, two, is not or will not be fully vaccinated on the date required by that order, and three, does not have a pending or approved exemption per, per reference D through F. So basically, they're really focusing on this lawful order part. Uh, fully vaccinated service members, anyone who has had... Uh, considered fully vaccinated after two weeks after completing an approved COVID-19 vaccination series per reference C. And we're not going to go deep into that, but basically reference C talks about all of the current uh, 
FDA-approved and EUA, emergency use authorization vaccines, as long as you can show that you have done your things, so if you've gotten the Pfizer, the Moderna, both shots, and you're two weeks out, you are fully vaccinated. If you got the Johnson & Johnson, I don't know that I can still say this now because there's some stuff that's come out about J&J, &J, but if you're a lazy fucker, go get the J&J. &J. It's one shot if you want to go through with it. So uh, we talked about senior leader. They talked in this about senior leaders is a flag officer, flag officer select, regardless of assignment, an officer serving as a commander, deputy commander, commanding officer, executive officer, chief of staff, chief of staff officer, or officer in charge, or enlisted member serving as a command master, chief, chief of the boat, senior enlisted advisor, or command senior enlisted leader. This plays into something because there's actually some craziness that goes on a little bit later down in here. So deadlines per reference, uh, we already talked about that. Basically, if you are not double vaxxed in two weeks out, so this is where it gets weird, must be fully vaccinated no later than 28 November 2021. Now they're fully vaccinated here is different than the press release because here it's saying you are two weeks out from an approved vaccine where there it's not like you had until the 28th of november to get fully vaccinated to get both shots so let's get into some of this stuff that gets a little weird um they talk about the ccda okay so again the the in they like to keep harping on this vice chief of naval operations retains the authority for non-judicial punishments and court martials involuntary extension of enlistment is not authorized on the basis of administrative or disciplinary action for vaccine refusal so one of the things that has happened to a lot of uh members of the force prior to covid was you get popped for smoking a joint or pop positive on a drug test and you're two weeks out from um, being separated because it's the end of your contract. There have been dicks in commands, and okay, it's just me, but there have been commanders who want to set an example. And unfortunately, that sailor, soldier, airman, or marine were the examples that got to be set. They would involuntarily extend their enlistment date till they were done punishing them. Uh, I know a couple Marines that that happened to. So it's actually real stuff. So they did say that you can't extend it for that. Um, but the CCDA may seek recruitment of applicable bonuses, special and incentive pays, and costs of training and education for service members returning, refusing the vaccine. Think about that. The vice or not the vice the chief of naval personnel may make a recommendation that will i'm almost 100 percent certain go up to the chief of naval operations and or the secretary of the navy saying that seamen blah 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 got a let's just say trying to think outside of the seal role but um Let's say an IDC, an independent duty corpsman, usually gets a pretty good bonus. Let's say it's $50,000. He has his $50,000 um, bonus that he just got for graduating IDC school. He gets C pay and hazardous duty pay. And let's just hypothetically say that IDC school, which is a 52-week school, costs the Navy $400,000. Because that IDC refused to get the vaccine for whatever reason it was, all of that money, he, they would require him to, be, to pay it back. That is where this gets dark. I don't know of any other refusal of medical readiness that that's happened. Uh, I could be wrong. Uh, again, I served at a few commands as a chief, uh, both of which were dealing with Reserve Marine Corps and Reserve Navy. But that to me just seems outrageous. Um, 
Now, they do get into a whole section about other misconduct. Withholding the disposition authority in reference C, this NAV admin does not extend to other misconduct, which m may include misconduct relating to vaccine refusals, such as failing to wear a mask when required, falsifying vaccine records, or not complying with COVID testing requirements. If in doubt, commanders, commanding officers, and officers in charge should consult with the service judge advocate. Uh, which is basically the base lawyer on should we take this guy to non-judicial punishment or to uh, court-martial. The uh, Then they get into separation for authority for vaccine refusals that include other misconduct. If the Navy service members process for administrative separation because of vaccine refusal, that individual that includes other misconduct, the CCDA will serve as the officer to show uh, cause authority or enlisted separation authority in accordance with paragraph 5B. Again, that is... So that goes back up to the top. These things are such a pain. I'm trying not to read them um, word by word. So again, they are going hard at people for refusing the vaccine and it doesn't seem from everything that we're looking at so far it doesn't seem like there's a way back once you refuse uh, professional qualifications for navy service members refusing the vaccine the ccda retains the authority for administrative processing regarding the removal of warfare qualifications additional qualifications designations navy enlisted classifications or subspecialties, except in the case where removal authority is otherwise authorized by law or executive order. The example they give is Director Naval Nuclear Propulsion Program regarding nuclear qualification. So I don't know what the hell that is, but um, to put this into context for people uh, who have served, what, th what they're actually talking about here. So in my career, I earned two enlisted warfare qualification devices, one being the CB combat warfare and the other being the fleet marine forces, com uh, fleet marine forces uh, warfare device. Jesus, I'm going a little loopy. So by refusing these personal qualifications, and I do have a Navy enlisted classification, an NAC 8404 uh, field medical service tech, these things can be stripped from me because I refuse a vaccine on top of being administratively separated. In the case in, you know how I feel about special warfare, they are special. But in the case of the SEALs, you do not graduate buds and get your trident. You earn the... Um, the SO, I think it is, the Special Operations um, Rate. That's like basic. Any SEALs out there listening, I know I'm gonna, I'm screwing this up ish, but BUDS is basically your SOA school at this point in time. You go on to STT or SQT, SEAL Qualification Training Course. And in the old days from SEALs I knew, then you would go to your command, you would sit aboard and do what they call personal qualification uh, standards. And then the, you would have your board and they would give you your uh, trident, you know, the big Navy SEAL pin that you wear. That is a warfare qualification device. Per this standard, your, the CCDA has the authority to remove your trident for failure to get a vaccine. Um, and here's where it gets also interesting, and this is why I believe that this is not just a Navy policy, but this falls under some sort of um, grander DOD policy uh, because there's a specific section in here for other arm forces members assigned to Navy commands for vaccine refusal cases involving soldiers, airmen. I am not going to say that word. Space Force people, Marines or Coast Guardsmen assigned to Navy command. The Navy commander, commanding officer or officer in charge will report their cases to the CCDA. So it does look like if you are from one of the other branches and you refuse a vaccine and you are working 
at a Navy command. So uh, let's just say uh, Naval Hospital San Diego or Naval Medical Center San Diego, Balboa, commonly known. And that is a 100% Navy command, but you may have an Air Force lieutenant working in the ER or a Army sergeant medic who's working in the ER and they refuse. It looks like they would fall under the same process of separation as the Navy. So this is, again, more darkness. Unvaccinated senior leaders, as we define senior leaders in the earlier, that it would be your commanding officers, your uh, commanders, your officers in charge. An unvaccinated senior enlisted, as not just senior enlisted, but an unvaccinated senior leader without penny approval or waiver calls into question the Navy's trust and confidence, confidence regarding their ability to ensure unit readiness or to maintain good order and discipline. These senior leaders must begin vaccination immediately. This constitutes a lawful order. The immediate superior in command, so it's called the ISICS, commander or commanding officer as applicable, will notify in writing senior leaders refusing the vaccine that they have five calendar days to initiate cor corrective action. If the senior leader does not begin a vaccination series or request an exemption within that five days uh, period, the ISIC commander or commanding officer will relieve the senior leader and initiate detachment for cause um, as applicable. So to put that into context, if you are a senior leader, say, at um, a Navy squadron, because if I remember right, God damn, it's been a while. Squadrons fall under group, uh, naval air groups. Naval air groups fall under wings, or I may have that backwards. So if you're the OIC in charge of this, you're the squadron commander, and you refuse the next senior level up. So let's just say it's uh, a naval air wing that CEO has five days to make you get the shot or you are relieved for cause. Basically, the Navy is saying you are untrustworthy and you are making huge issues about good order and discipline. And so therefore you are, you have no ability to lead. That's basically what they're saying when they make uh, comments like this. Uh, for the triad, as the Navy calls it, the triad is um, the commanding officer, the executive officer. So on the officer side, you have a unit commander. So let's take the Marine Corps because it's just easier to do this than um, explain the Navy. So you have a battalion commander. Actually, yeah, Seabees. Perfect example. Take that back. Screw the Marines. I love you guys. But a, a CB battalion commander oversees the CB headquarters comp company and all of the, what they would call the, the field companies involved. And so he basically oversees all of the CBs that are assigned to that battalion. The executive officer is his number two if in the case of a war he's killed wounded injured sent home the executive officer would assume the responsibilities of the um the battalion commander the third part of that triad triad three would be the command master chief or in a case of something smaller like a small naval operational support center or navy reserve center that has just a few units and a few hundred reservists that drill there one weekend a month uh, it may be a command senior chief so an e8 or a command chief which would be an e7 but so for every battalion commander or for every commander there's an executive officer and a senior enlisted leader advisor 
command master chief or a command something chief. Uh, this is basically saying relief of relief of any flag officer or officer selected for promotion to E7 will or O7. Wait, so they actually don't say it. So basically, yeah, we'll come back to that. that was a long-winded thing for nothing. Sorry about that, guys. Um, then we get into some of the other things that happen. So because COVID-19 vaccination is now mandatory, commanders, commanding officers, or officers in charge with the concurrence, uh, with the concurrence of the first flag officer in the chain of command are authorized to temporarily reassign Navy service members who refuse COVID-19 vaccine, regardless of exemption status based on operational readiness or mission requirements. Command shall not allow those refusing the vaccine to promote advanced reenlist execute orders with the exception of separation orders until the CCDA has um, made their disposition. The only exemption from that, as it said, was separation orders. So basically, if you were getting out and your end of service date is 1 December and you don't want the vaccine and your active duty and your deadline's 28, um, 28 November you should be okay otherwise you get all of these great benefits for refusing the uh, the vaccination including like I said so the what they're saying in that previous statement about the first flag in your chain of command so generals and admirals are considered flag officers so what this is saying if you're working for a Navy commander at a Naval Reserve Center, the next step up would be the region. And that region has a one-star or sometimes maybe even a two-star admiral there. So in concurrence with that admiral's staff, they can do all that to you. So let's get done with this pretty quick here. Um, trying to find, so here it is. Per SecNav Instruction 1920.6 Delta, the CCDA, as the show cause authority, has uh, directed mandatory show cause processing for all officers on the basis of misconduct, moral or professional dereliction, and substandard performance with the least favorable char characterization of services general under honorable conditions, unless inclusion of another basis for separation warrants other than honorable. Additionally, flag officers or officers selected for promotion to 07 who are refusing the vaccine to uh, are refusing the vaccine are referred to the Navy Inspector General's office for review per a DOD instruction. Officer separation under the subparagraph will not be eligible for involuntary separation pay and will be subject to recoupment recoupment payback of any unearned special or incentive pays enlisted administrative separation in the case of any enlisted service member, including an enlisted senior leader who is refusing the vaccine, the cognizant commander or commanding officer shall initiate the process for administrative separation under Melpor's man, blah, 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 commission of a serious offense plus any additional known basis at the time of processing. The provisions of the Melpor man, 1910, apply treat vaccine refusal cases as though they were listed in the in the milpers man 1910 the ccda uh the ccda is a separation authority unless a higher separation authority is required by the milpers man so the milpers man is a military personnel manual for the navy the least favorable characterization of service shall be general under honorable circumstances unless inclusion of another basis for separation warrants other than honorable. The enlisted service members separated under this paragraph will not be eligible for involuntary separation pay and will be subject to recruitment of any unearned special incentive pays. That's where we've come. We have come to that. This is not... Hey, man, we got to keep medical ready. This is literally throwing hammers at people. Officers have promotion delays, commanding officers. Uh, so that's the gist of it. I just want to check one thing. Because 
there are some VA benefits, I believe, that you may be missing out on. And let's see. So it says, well, uh, uh, well, a discharge under honorable conditions may not be what a veteran wants or on his resume, it qualifies for VA health care, TRICARE, Continue Health Care Benefit Program, Military Health Insurance, VA Disability Pension, Home Loans, and all other benefits except for educational. So you lose, you lose your GI Bill. If you don't, if you get separated for refusing the vaccine, I want that to sink in. Per this, the GI Bill has a special eligibility requirement for period. For the GI Bill, your DD-214 actually has to say honorable. A general discharge isn't enough. And unlike all other VA benefits, you cannot become eligible for the GI Bill through a successful uh, character of discharge decision. So in order to fix it, at some point in time, you would have to go back and do in the Navy what is a Bureau of Naval Records and Corrections request and get your discharge status changed. And that may not be enough. So to all the sailors, soldiers, airmen, Marines, Space Force people, I'm not saying that G word, Coast Guardsmen, I again, do not believe in mandatory civilian mandates. I will say, if you have taken every other vaccine to date and you feel that your service is valuable, you want to stay in the military, sadly, there is only one option for you. The good thing is, there is only one option for you, which would be to do your vaccination the good thing is there are other vaccines out there other than Moderna or sorry, other than Pfizer. Look into the safety and efficacy of those vaccines and see how you feel about them. If your life is about the military, ask yourself, is this a hill that you want to die on with the repercussions that come? I don't normally tell people to go against their better gods or their inner character. I mean, I do not like this at all. That being said, it has been a long established issue that if you fail to meet medical readiness requirements, you will be admin set. So it's a hard one for me to come down on the negative side of people getting admin set for not getting the vaccine. It's a really easy thing to say that I think this message, these press releases do constitute an overreach by the military establishment as a whole. Um, again, if we are doing this, if we are coming down this hard for 2% of the force, that's a scary thought. And if it was just, if you don't get the vaccine, your admin set and we go our separate ways. It's like a divorce. I hate you. You hate me. Um, cool. But you still get your honorable. You still get your, you still get your uh, benefits from the VA. There's no requirement to pay back stuff. There's none of this other stuff hanging over your head. 100%. You know, that is part of being in the military. We signed a contract. That being said, this is not that. This is guys who may or may not have served Four years, eight years, 12 years, 22 years who have these things hung over their head, like the idea of an officer with 20 years in saying that because you refuse a vaccine, you are a threat to the military. Because that's basically what that section said was um, you are affecting the military or the Navy's ability to portray good order dis and discipline and the like. Well, you're basically saying I'm directly responsible for breaking the Navy. That's not, I, I disagree with that wholeheartedly. 
So you guys, this one's been a long one for a solo podcast. It's almost been an hour, but I just wanted to talk to you about it. I, I don't, I don't have any easy answers for this. Like I said, I hope to get uh, Kurt Parsley on again, and maybe we can talk about this, get some other people I know on. I know that there's a lot of people right now who aren't as generous as I am with understanding the entire picture of medical readiness. And I do have to say this, that due to the potential contagiousness of this, it doesn't matter whether you're going to be completely fine and healthy if you get the virus. I do understand that they are looking at it from a spread issue, not from an individual sailor, soldier, airman, marine, space force dude getting it and having a bad outcome. We can have, and hopefully we'll get some people on, we'll have that discussion about uh, spread and what's really going on with the spread and talk about the efficacy of the vaccines because we are already seeing thousands and thousands of breakthroughs cases where, again, one of the things that we didn't talk about, damn it, well, so we'll do this real quick. So with, um, and it goes directly to the vaccine. So with the malaria stuff you get stuff like an ooh evil word i'm going to get banned hydroxychloroquine mefloquine um, any of the drugs that are typically end with the word quin are stuff that could be used to help with malaria you get these they are called prophylactics yes like a condom you take them before you go in an endemic area you take them while you're in an endemic area and sometimes they'll have you, depending on what it is, uh, methylquine, I think you don't take it after you leave. But it is not to stop you from getting malaria. It minimizes your chances. It reduces symptoms and bad outcomes. Does this sound like anything? Oh, the, the vaccines. So all the vaccines so far have been shown to be leaky. What does leaky mean? Leaky means that they are not sterilizing vaccines. They do not stop the spread of the disease. They help those who are vaccinated from having bad outcomes. Do you know what else does that? The flu shot. And from here on forward, I will not call it the flu vaccine. It's a flu shot. It's a prophylactic. So then you have to ask yourself, why are we making such a big deal over prophylactics? The truth of the matter is, I don't know. I do know one thing, and it was in that NAV admin I totally forgot. There is no exemption for previous infection uh, or positive antibody tests. So they don't care that you have had COVID in the past. You will still get the shot, or you will go through this process that we just talked about for the last 57 minutes. I also find it very interesting. True story. I had something the week of October 1st to October 10th, low-grade fever. Many things looked like it was COVID. Many things looked like it was a sinus infection. Many things looked like it was a flu. Chose not to get tested. Why? Because I didn't want to waste my time. Um, talk, contacted my PCM. PCM said, I'll put you in for a COVID and by test. Uh, this was early last week, actually. So went over there to military healthcare. We do not have COVID antibodies tests. Call, I called the specimen, the director of specimen collection at BAMCN. Nope, we have chosen not to include antibody testing. The base was worried that the lab would be overrun with people checking to see if they've had it. Well, if you're instituting stuff like this, don't you think you want to have that metric to see how much of your force has already been exposed? Again, I don't know for sure whether this is a DOD-wide policy or a DHA, Defense Health Authority, uh, activity policy, but it does sound like it, like you're not going to find go to any military health care um, or a mil military treatment facility and find a COVID antibody test. And if the excuse is we don't want to be overwhelmed. That is a piss poor shitty excuse. And if that could alleviate some people with multiple years of service in refusing the vaccine to see that they have positive tests, 
why are we not open to it? We seem to be only open to one path forward, and that path forward is to make people, well, we're going to leave it there. You guys have a great one. Again, like, subscribe, follow us on everywhere uh, after the Battle of Campfire on Facebook, Modern Ronin on Instagram. Let's get some more of these up. I am going to be talking with my buddy Monroe Chapman. He is a singer and he has his podcast uh, here soon. We're also going to get Mike the Meat Guy. Actually, it's just what I call him. Uh, Mike is a guy I've known for about 10 years who I buy all of my grass-fed, grass-finished beef from. And I want to get him on and really sit down and kind of dig into his brain about why this type of food is so much better than your store-bought food. And right now, you would be surprised on how cost-effective buying bulk meat is. Do you have a large freezer or a secondary freezer that you can store it in? You can keep a grass-fed, grass-finished steak vacuum-sealed for a year, and it still tastes fresh. All right, you guys, we'll talk later. Have a great one. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you can follow us on social. Check us out at our website, modernronin.com, on Instagram, The Modern Ronin, on Twitter, at TommyChase01, and you can always support us at modernronin.locals.com. This is our locals group, and it would be great if you guys joined and subscribed. Some great benefits. Talk to you guys soon.